Welcome to Don't IEP Alone, the only podcast dedicated to helping parents navigate the IEP process and hosted by a special education advocate. Your host has been attending IEP meetings for over a decade and has helped thousands of parents go from an IEP rookie to an IEP all-star. Be prepared to learn tips that will be a total game changer for you as a parent advocate and most importantly, your child's outcomes. Partnered with the award-winning Lock a Day in Our Shoes, you'll be confident, knowledgeable, and actually looking forward to your next IEP meeting. Don't IEP alone. Get ready. Here's your host, from suburban Philadelphia, Lisa Leitner. Hey there, thanks for tuning in. It's Lisa again, and Shana Tova, for those who celebrate. I actually had several friends who I wanted to call and text and email today about certain things, and each time I was like, ah, they're Jewish, I don't want to bother them. Um, it is a family day for most many Jewish families and I don't want to bother them. So I'll call them tomorrow or the next day. Um, but enjoy for those who celebrate. Um, thanks again for tuning in. Thanks again for indulging me the other day, um, and speaking about my mom's death. I am glad that a lot of you benefited from it again. I heard from some of you, saw some in the group. And, you know, that's all I can say is hang in there. Um, If you are struggling right now, just hang in there, seek help, do what you need to do. But you, you can do this. As always, um, I was kind of on the fence about what I wanted to talk about today. And I had my, my mojo kind of disappeared. I had this like weird bout of mom ADHD this morning. Um, and I'm sure that a lot of you have done it where you just start cleaning one thing and then you're like, oh, I'm just going to do this. And And then it was like, oh, well, this is messy too, so let me clean that. And, oh, you know what, let me just throw this in the wash and let me just do this. And three hours later, here I am, um, done with my cleaning project, which was supposed to take about five or ten minutes, and sitting down to do some podcasts and blogs. Hopefully I still get some done this week and published. Um... But that was my morning. I got a lot done. So, and I can podcast now because the ShopRite delivery person has come and gone. And if you, this is not a plug because they don't pay me. Actually, I pay them. Um, I pay them every week, but I, I get my deliveries, my groceries delivered by ShopRite and I love it. If you work at home, even if you don't, it's fantastic. And if you just, you know, people go, oh, I don't want to pay that delivery fee. Oh, I don't want to add that money onto my, you know, I already pay so much in groceries. I don't want to spend more. First of all, for me, I have found that ShopRite's prices are lower than most of the grocery stores around here. Yes, you get decent produce. In fact, I think they do, I think they try even harder than, than you would expect because they don't want you sending it back or complaining and all that. 
Um, also, I stick to our budget because when I am checking out every week, when I place my order, I see exactly how much it's going to cost. And if I'm over budget, I go back over the list and I go, oh, do I really need this? Do I really need that? And um, yesterday, the do you know they make Oreos now that have dark chocolate in the middle? Well, anyway, that's what got cut. That was one of the things that I was like, all right, I don't really need them. Um, but Ben and Jerry's was on sale for two eighty eight, so that got to stay. The Oreos did not. But anyway, when I break down the delivery fee um, on an hour by hour basis of what, how much time I spend buying groceries, bringing them home, all that, um, it usually works out that I am paying myself less than minimum wage to to do this. So, as a small business owner, it just doesn't make financial sense for me to spend a half a day doing grocery shopping for my family, which is what it takes. Plus I overspend because I, I, despite my best efforts, I'm an impulse buyer. I'm like, Oh look, that's on sale. We need 10. Um, whereas, like I said, I, I look at the budget of what we try to spend each week. And when I look at what's in my cart, I'm like, well, I can really go another week without that. Or I probably don't need to order that today. I can wait another week. Um, and so on. So anyway, that's just my little plug for ShopRite at Home. I do know that they're a New Jersey-based chain, so they may not, I know, I know they're in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Delaware. I'm not sure where else, but I love them, and I've tried them all. I've tried Instacart, which I hated, and their prices were high, and I did not like Giant. And I'm trying to think of who else I've tried, but love ShopRite. Okay, um, so speaking of personalized assistance... I want to talk about one-on-ones today. It's coming up a lot in the group. So let's go over a few things. Um, I have it broken down into two blog posts on the blog. One is how to get a one-on-one. And the other is, you know, now you've got a one-on-one. So what do you do next? Um, Because really, once you get the one-on-one, you're only half done. And there are still a lot of issues that come up for parents. Sorry, if you hear that rattling, that's my water. And I, um, I do use a reusable stainless steel straw. So that's what you hear. But a one-on-one. First of all, getting a one-on-one. Keep in mind that... Your child is in school, you know, six hours a day, five days a week, maybe six and a half to seven, depending. And, you know, if there's a bus ride. So basically what you're asking the school for is to add another part-time or full-time position onto their budget, right? That's what you're asking. So no, they shouldn't just hand them out to anyone who asks. It might be obvious to you that your child needs this. So you just have to make it obvious to them because it may not be. The best thing that you can do is sit down, think about your child and kind of visualize it. And what are the areas of need and what do you envision this one-on-one aid doing for your child? You have to define it. You have to demonstrate the need and you have to show how this is the intervention or this is the support that your child needs to achieve these goals.
once you get into that frame of mind, then you just have to keep pushing. Yes, some school districts have an official document that the teacher or the special ed director has to fill out. Um, if they're in support of this, they fill out this, it's, you know, just a justification form of some type that, um, I mean, that's, it is, it's just like, it's just like a, an inquiry or a, what's the word I'm looking for? A request, something like that. Um, you can ask to see the form. The, the form shouldn't be secret because that might help you better define your child's needs and, again, why this is the support system that they need, why they need this one-on-one -on -one aid. Um, I will say that in, in anecdotally, and I don't, again, it's an anecdote, so I don't have the data to support this, and I don't even know where I would begin to find the data. Um, but based on what I'm hearing from the group and from people who I meet in, in life, it sounds like one-on-one -on -one aids are becoming more common. So the social stigma may be fading a little bit because it's just not cool for, and I know it's not about being cool, but elementary kids, it's not cool to have an adult tagging along everywhere you go and shadowing you and interrupting what you may be doing and things like that. Um, you know, it goes back to some of our kids earliest, earliest skill sets, you know, when they're two and three years old and remember the, I want to do it myself. I want to do it myself. Um, kids do want to do it themselves. So please make sure that you have exhausted every opportunity and every strategy that you can think of to enable your child to do this on their own and make sure that it's in there that, there are going to be objectives or success steps along the way because the goal is always to fade the aid. I have had, I had a student who was a senior in high school and still had a one-on-one -on -one aid. Um, it is very socially ostracizing um, to do that and, and, and you want to fade the aid. We want our kids to be independent. We want them to be able to self-identify, self-advocate, and problem-solve on their own. Um, some, it does take longer than others. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. But I often just see that, that end result of independence being overlooked because parents are just so glad that, oh, my God, thank, thank you that he's finally getting the help he needs. Finally, he has a one-on-one -on -one aid. Um, and really, as soon as <laughs> you get one... It should be, okay, so what are the goals we're working on so that we can get rid of you? Because that's what you want. Um, okay, but once you have it on your IEP, and this is the stuff that's coming up this month because the honeymoon's over, right? We are four to six weeks into the new school year in, in most states, and the honeymoon is indeed over, um, kids can kind of mask it and hold it together and then they get familiar with people and behaviors and this and that and all kinds of stuff is happening. But one of the reasons that I'm such a stickler about getting everything identified and written and explained and clarified in the IEP 
is not only to guarantee the child those services, because that's all the parent has to go on. And that's coming up a lot too, that there are these verbal agreements that the school says, oh yeah, 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 we'll do that. And then it's not happening. So getting it in the IEP binds them to that. And that's often why you find resistance to putting every little thing in the IEP. And they go, oh, we can't, you know, there's things we're going to do anyway. We're going to go above and beyond. We're going to do other things. Um, you know, we can't put every single thing in the IEP. Well, yeah, you can actually. <laughs> but also it, for school people, it, protects you, if you're a school staff member, it protects you in that parents, I find, have unrealistic, not unrealistic isn't the word, but parents have these expectations that things are going to happen or that they have the right to this or they have the right to that. Um, and they have this expectation that things are going to happen. And when they don't happen, that's when the relationship between parent and school starts to go south. And a lot of times I'll go back to the parent and say, okay, well, look at your IEP. What does it say as far as this? And they'll say, oh, well, it says progress monitoring will be with report cards three times a year. Okay, well, if that's what's in your progress monitoring, why do you have the expectation that they're going to send you home a sheet every day? Or every week. You know, and it's this whole thing of, well, they just don't want to do it. And they hate me. They hate my kid. You know, it's it just starts all these negative feelings. We start to assume intent. We start to take on all this emotion. When it's, no, you're not getting daily progress monitoring because it's not in your IEP. And why in the world would a teacher sit down and write, out a whole bunch of daily communication logs if if it's not an IEP, you know? So, and another, just another thing is with the aids. You have to get them clearly defined every little bit in the IEP. If your child is going to share an aid, so you might be offered, and this might be, you know, well, I wanted a one-on-one. You know, a one-on-two or a one-on-three might be sufficient. It really might. Um, but if they say, well, we're bringing in one aide or one para, and she's going to work with three IEP students in the classroom, that needs to be in your IEP. And it needs to be in there what is going to happen over lunch, what is going to happen at specials, what is going to happen over recess, what is going to happen when the aide goes to lunch, and so on. Because I can't even tell you how many times I can think of two very prominent situations or two that really stick out, I'm sure there are more, where a child gets suspended for a behavior and it's like, oh, well, the one-on-one -on -one was at lunch. Well, you know what? I, I, parents do need to eat lunch. But if somebody's responsible for that child all day long, then they need to have someone. You can't just, well, here, kid, hold it together while she's at lunch. Don't get in trouble. Um, because, of course, it always happens when they're not there. That's the whole point of having them there, to recognize situations and 
you know, preemptively distract or whatever it is that, that they're to do. So just make sure you get it defined. IDEA says absolutely nothing about what is best practice or what is polite and what is courteous. So if you're, they're not obligated to tell you if a para calls out for the day or a para quits and, and she's being replaced with someone else. Yeah, it would be nice if, if we got notified of all these things, but they're not obligated to do so and they're busy and sometimes they forget and don't have time. Um, that's coming up a lot. You know, aren't they obligated to tell me when there's a sub? Aren't they obligated to tell me when they're switching paras? I want my child to have Jane as his para and they keep switching her. You're not obligated. Their school's not obligated to provide you with a specific person. They're obligated to provide you with a specific skill set and someone who is able to perform the duties and responsibilities that your child needs for their supports. It doesn't have to be a specific person. And if that person calls out or they quit or they get fired or whatever it is, they're not obligated to let you know. It would be nice. It's a common courtesy. But again, people get busy. They assume that someone else is doing it and so on. And it doesn't happen. So if your child struggles with transitions, you want it in the IEP that you know, as soon as is possible, I want to be notified when my son is going to have a substitute so that I can begin to verbally prepare him for this. Then if it's not followed, you ding him with complaints. That's all we can do. They're only obligated to provide what's in the IEP. Many schools do go above and beyond and do lots of things that aren't listed in the IEP. But I just, I just can't even tell you how many times I say to the parent, well, go look at your IEP. What does it say? You know, and what the parent is expecting is not in the IEP. So that's why you get it there. They only generally have to type these things up once. A lot of this stuff repeats itself year to year. Okay. And we know that they all use IEP writer or whatever software it is. So it's all in there for them to edit and update. Okay. But if you're getting an aid, make sure it's all defined what that person's qualifications are. If you want someone who has experience with behavior, if you want someone who has experience with Reading, you know, whatever it is, get it defined. What they're going to do, what, what you see them doing for your child every day, that needs to be in there. Uh, I'm just looking at my floor and I swear I just vacuumed yesterday and there are tumbleweeds of dog hair. Um, so that's really it. Just get it in the IEP. I, again, I have two blog posts on it. If you want to steal some of the wording that I use, you're welcome to do that. But please don't assume intent. I'm going to do another, I think, blog post and podcast just on that. 
but we don't know why people do things. We really don't. So let's not attach intent as to why they didn't answer your email or so on and so forth. Okay. Cause that just, that never goes well. We never assume the best when we're assuming someone's intent. It's always something terrible. Well, she's doing this to make the progress takes longer. She's just trying to stall me. She's just, she's just, and that might be happening, but you getting upset and all amped up about it doesn't help. It doesn't. And it's hard for me too. I do ask my husband. I do it all the time at home. It drives him nuts. And he'll be like, well, I just poured a glass of milk. Why didn't you know I was saving that for a recipe? Like, you did that so that I wouldn't make this. Like, no, that's a dumb example. I don't even know why I used it. But I do it with my husband. I assume intent with him and it makes him crazy. I should just ask him. Okay, so just ask your team. Don't be afraid to ask to talk to them. You want to keep the relationship friendly and open communication. So, okay. Again, I will link the blog blog posts um, to this podcast so that you can take a look at them if you want. And good luck. And if you have any other questions, ask in the group. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Don't IEP Alone podcast. No parent should have to IEP alone. And with a day in our shoes, you don't have to. For more IEP assistance and letter templates, visit adayinourshoes.com. For ongoing assistance and support, follow our Facebook page and group.
Wait.